Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of the podcast from P-Town. Hope everybody's having another good week out there. It's getting quite a bit colder. I was up hunting this weekend and actually we actually got into some snow, which was kind of refreshing to see. Hopefully we'll get a big snowpack, but I still, one year, I don't know if there's enough snow to fill our reservoirs back up as low as they've been this year. So looking at the news real quick, um, Eagles lost again. Surprise, surprise. They are, uh, hopefully they're just going to go for first round picks next year or, you know, with their record or whatnot. Maybe they'll just uh, play the rest of the season out because I don't know if there's much hope for them right now, especially the way Dallas is kind of on a roll. The Giants, they suck as usual, and so does the Washington Redskins, or Washington football team, for those of you that are woke and listening to this. Other than that, uh, I think the biggest news out right now is the whole deal with Alec Baldwin and accidentally shooting those people on the set down in, uh, I think it was in New Mexico or Arizona or something like that, and uh, that's it's a horrible tragedy. It's kind of like the same thing that happened with Brandon Lee quite a few years ago. And it's bad. I feel sorry for the guy, but it's kind of like uh, people say that he's a big... I never have really looked into him that much, but people say that he's a big anti-gun person. And he ends up shooting somebody accidentally. Which, if he's that big of an anti-gun person, you know, I think they've got CGI and all this other stuff these days that they could... Uh, do those shots with but he's not so big of anti-gun to where it would inhibit him making millions of dollars for a movie so it's kind of um hypocrisy i think and then of course there's all the conspiracy theories going around it somebody actually got on twitter and posted something that it was a uh q person trying that trump had sent in to try to frame alec baldwin uh, because of his anti-gun stance or some stupid thing like that. And uh, that's that's quite a reach, but there's always going to be the conspiracy theories that go around with, uh, with all this type of stuff. I just saw also that Shaquille O'Neal, um, he ended up selling his uh, Florida mansion for $11 million. It had been on the market for three years, and... It has like a 6,000 square foot basketball court in it and all this other stuff. When he listed it on the market the, in 2018, he had listed it for $28 million and he only ended up getting $11 million out of it. So uh, I don't feel maybe he sold it to LeBron James or something. Which, speaking of which, basketball is back. And so all you people that hate hearing me uh, gripe about LeBron James, you should... Uh, be pretty happy here before too long because it'll he'll probably do something stupid here pretty quick and give me some more news to talk about but anyhow let's get back into what we're here for and i think tonight we're going to end up getting a twofer because the first one that i've got is really really short and then the neck the second one is a little bit longer and it's kind of only fitting that the uh major league world series starts tonight kicks off tonight against with the atlanta braves and the Houston Astros, um, I'm pulling for the Braves in that one. They've been one of my favorite teams for quite some time. But uh, this one, we're going to talk about California baseball, as it's referred to in the song. And this actually happened in 1958. And basically, all this is about 
is about the Brooklyn Dodgers moving to Los Angeles and the New York Giants moving to San Francisco. And they both moved in the same year. They were the first two major league teams to end up playing on the West Coast. And before the move, both of the teams, they were looking to move other places than New York. And the owner of the Dodgers, he'd already decided as L.A. to be the future home of the Dodgers. And the Giants owner, he was looking around at different places, and he was kind of contemplating going to Minnesota. But the Dodgers owner ended up calling him, and he told him that they should both move to California uh, to continue the rival rivalry that's gone on between the two teams for years. And so this thing, it was voted on in the owners' meeting in 1957, and they said that both teams had to move or neither team could move which I didn't know there was that much leverage that you could have over a team on where they play out of. But, yeah, they said that both of them had to go or neither one was going. So they both ended up moving out to California. And, they, like I said, they were the first uh, two major league teams to play on the West Coast up, up to that time. And it was actually reported in 2019 that the teams had played their 2,500th game against each other. So... The rivalry between those teams has gone on for quite some time. And that was pretty much all I had about that one. It was a, you know, it was just a little, uh, there wasn't a whole lot to do on it rather without going into the history of both the teams and all that type of stuff. The next one that we're going to talk about, this is going to be a little bit longer. Um, and this is, we're talking about Charles Starkweather. And in the song, it's called Starkweather Homicide. And this should be kind of an interesting one. I've listened to a, a couple of podcasts about this guy, and they obviously they go into a lot more depth than what I cover here. But we'll try to do this piece of crap some justice, I guess. So he was born on November 24th of 1938, and he was born in Lincoln, Nebraska. And he came. He ended up coming from a working class fam, family. His dad was named Guy, and he was a, employed as a carpenter. And his dad, he was off... A lot of times he was unemployed because he had rheumatoid arthritis in his hands, which being a cop carpenter, that would be a horrible uh, thing to have to deal with. You use your hands with pretty much everything in that job. So when his dad was unemployed, his mom would end up uh, supplementing their income by working as a waitress and doing things like that. So they didn't live, uh, you know, they were just kind of a probably a lower end working class family. So Charles, he ended up going through school, and it, he didn't recall anything real positive from his time spent in school. And he actually, he had a birth defect, which caused his legs to be misformed or misshaped. And he also had a lisp, which ended up causing him to have a lot of bullying from the kids at school. And I don't know if his legs were, you know, like Forrest Gump legs or what they were, but... Uh, that was another thing that led to him getting uh, bullied quite a bit. Eventually, though, he did end up getting a lot older, or he got older, and he ended up getting a lot stronger. And he actually started to bully the kids who would bully him when he was younger and not quite as big. And it was said that he had a rage inside of him, and it would come out with anyone that he disliked. So if he didn't like you, there wasn't no sitting around talking about it. It was almost like kind of like a switch would flip in him and he would just kind of go crazy he they said that he went from being one of the nicest kids you would ever meet to be becoming one of the most troubled teens in town 
And he did eventually drop out of school, and even his parents were afraid of him due to the violent outbursts that he would end up having. So, as you can see already, he's not really starting out on the right track. And you know how when you have two different substances, like Clorox and brake fluid, that when they're not together, they do fine. But then when you put them together, they have there's a violent chemical reaction that happens, and it causes a lot of flames and things like that. Well, this is kind of what happened when uh, Charles ended up meeting a gal by the name of Carol Ann Fugate. And Charles was 18 when they met, and Carol was only 13, which is already gross. But he ended up meeting her through her older sister. that she, Her sister was dating one of his friends. And he was working in a newspaper warehouse near the junior high school that she attended. Um, and let me tell that again. He dropped out of school and got a job at a newspaper warehouse because it was close to the junior high school that she attended, which is, um, and it was a junior high school, not a high school, junior high school. But he would meet her every day after school and do whatever they would do at the time. But he continued on with her, and he began teaching her how to drive and things like that, everything that, you know, a guy that's dating a girl that's five years younger than her would do. And one day when they were going out for a ride, they ended up wrecking his dad's car. And they were driving his dad's because Charles probably couldn't afford one. And Charles got, and his dad ended up getting an argument about it. And it ended with Charles ended up getting kicked out of the house. And so since everyone was just being so mean to him, he developed this view that this was going to be the rest of his life. Basically working low paying jobs and living, I think he was couch surfing at the time. But then he was working for a garbage company, and while he was here, he started planning out bank robberies to try to um, up his social standing, I guess. And it, it was also said that he didn't care if anyone died in these bank robberies either. But he created this personal philosophy that um, his actual quote of his personal philosophy was dead people are all on the same level. And that kind of goes to... Uh, to what I was saying that he always kind of viewed himself lower than everybody else. And if people were dead, then there was no social hierarchy there, which I'm not a psychiatrist, but I think a lot of his anger may have come out in that quote. So I never did really find out though, that if he actually robbed any banks or anything like that, but his crime spree, it kind of started on November 30th of 1957. And he was at a service station, and he ended up getting mad at the attendant because the attendant wouldn't give him a stuffed animal on credit. He said, if you give me the stuffed animal, I'll come back and pay you later. I don't know, maybe Carol needed to go to sleep with it at night, all like all a lot of young girls do. But the guy wouldn't give it to him, and he left and came back several times during the night just buying small items you know, this and that, and he'd leave the service station and then come back and he'd leave and come back. But eventually he was done buying stuff and he showed up with a shotgun and he forced the attendant to give him $100 from the till. Then he kidnapped the attendant and drove to a remote location and they ended up getting in a fight over the gun and Starkweather ended up shooting him several times and obviously shooting a guy at close range with a shotgun is going to end up killing him. And he kind of, you know, went on about his life nobody really found out who did it or anything like that but then about two months later he showed up at his girlfriend's house to pick her up 
and I think at this time she must have been around 15 probably, and he was around 20. But her parents ended up telling him to stay away from their daughter and wouldn't let him uh, come in or anything like that. And this made him mad. And now is where he turns into a... I mean, killing the gas station attendant was bad enough, but this here, um, he ended up shooting each of her parents, and then he strangled her two-year-old sister to death, and then he hid the bodies behind the house. And this is kind of where their stories... You'll see as we go on, it's kind of like, uh, oh, Homolka and the guy that she was killing people with. I don't remember. Carla Homolka and... I don't remember, but anyhow, their stories differ quite a bit through the rest of this a little bit, kind of what Carol says and what Charles says, but they're both liars and pieces of crap, so Charles said that Carol was there with him the whole time, but she said she got home and he met her at the door with a gun, and she said that he told her that her family was being held hostage and that if uh, she cooperated with him, he would end up letting them go, and this ended up starting on January 21st, but by January 27th, her extended family kind of became suspicious because they hadn't heard from him, so they sent the police over to check out what was going on. But shortly before the police got there, uh, Charles, Charles and Carol, they ended up taking off and leaving. And I'm not sure if they had some sort of scanner to find out they were coming or what it was, but they ended up leaving. And they showed up at one of her uh, family friends' house. And this guy, he was a 70-year-old guy named August Meyer. And they showed up there, and Charles ended up shooting him in the head with a shotgun. And then he killed the old guy's dog. So now if any of you are keeping score, he's got five murders under his belt, not counting the dog. And they end up leaving this place, and they took off, but being the idiots that they are, they end up getting the car stuck in the mud. And so they abandoned the vehicle and set out on foot. Then a couple of teens ended up coming along, and their names were Robert Jensen and Carol King. And they stopped to give them a ride uh, back to wherever so that they could get them some help. And Charles ended up forcing them to drive back to an abandoned storm cellar. And once they arrived there, he immediately ended up shooting Jensen. And then he tried to rape King inside the storm cellar, but he was unsuccessful. And so he got angry and ended up shooting her also. This time again, he said that Carol shot King, but again, she said that she was in the car the whole time, and she didn't know any of it, of what was going on, so who knows with these people. But they end up stealing the car from these two teenagers, and then they were off again, so now they're up to seven. Then they drove to Lincoln, Nebraska, and when they were there, they ended up in a wealthy neighborhood. And they went to the home of a guy by the name of C. Lor Ward and his wife Clara. And these two people, they were out for the evening at a dinner or something like that. But he found their maid at home and ended up immediately basically stabbing her to death. And he again killed their family dog by breaking its neck so that it couldn't alert them when they arrived back. You can see how bad this guy is. So Clara ended up arriving home first and... Immediately when she came in the house, she was stabbed and killed. And again, Charles ended up saying that Carol did this one. Then Lore, Lauer, or whatever his name is, he arrived home. And Charles ended up shooting him about the time, right about the time he got home as well. So they didn't leave 
I mean, they kind of went there with a purpose, and they were just killing these people at, you know, not wasting much time at all with it. So they then uh, filled up this guy's car with expensive jewelry, and they hit the road again. And the thing about all of it, I mean, these killings are so senseless. You know, a lot of people, a lot of serial killers or whatever, they kind of have a, a certain type that they're looking for. But not these two. They were just killing people wantonly and... um you know, and the thing is, too, if they were in this wealthy neighborhood, why did they have to kill the people? Why couldn't they have just robbed them and left? They basically knew they were going to rob them, but they ended up waiting for him to get home and robbed them and then killed them or killed them and then robbed them. Kind of the chicken and the egg. But so this actually created an uproar around the area. Obviously, you know, when somebody wealthy dies, it starts to get the attention of the cops and things like that. But like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of time frame in between all these killings. So the cops went house to house on a search looking for this people. And they also ended up contacting the National Guard to come in and help. And the cops and the National Guard, they did a search block by block for these people to see if they were still in the area. But Charles and Carol, they ended up leaving Nebraska and headed to Wyoming. And here they f ended up figuring that the car they w that they were driving was too recognizable because it was actually it was a pretty nice car. This guy was pretty wealthy, and they knew that people would probably be on the lookout for the car. So they end up happening along a traveling salesman who he was just sleeping along the highway in his car, and they end up shooting him and taking his car or stealing his car. And again, in the interrogations, they pointed the finger at one another on who committed this murder as well. But now, in an interesting change of events, the car that they just stole, it had a parking brake on it. You remember the old uh, parking brakes that they had where you had to push the pedal down on the side? Kind of like how they are still in pickups anyhow. But uh, being the rocket scientist that Starkweather was, he didn't know how to release the parking brake. And he took off, but the car ended up stalling. And he was trying to get it restarted, and another guy ended up coming along that was going to help him out. But Starkweather threatened him with a gun when he approached the car. And they end up getting into an argument uh, and were fighting over this. You know, the guy was just trying to help out and whatnot. And Charles was going to try to kill him and, anything, and something like that. So they're out there arguing. And a sheriff's deputy from Natrona County ended up pulling up. So he breaks up the fight between Charles and this other guy. And at this point, Fugate jumps out of the car and runs, runs to him yelling at Starkweather, he's going to kill me. And so Starkweather, he was able to get the car going and took off and a, cha a car chase ensued. And the cops were chasing him. It, they said they were going in speeds of excess of 100 miles per hour, which in those days is actually pretty dang fast. And Sheriff Earl Heflin, uh, he was ended up chasing him and he was able to get a shot off that went through the windshield. And the flying glass that came flying through ended up cutting Charles and he started bleeding and he ended up surrendering. And the sheriff was later quoted as saying he thought he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. That's the kind of yellow son of a bitch he is, which is a great, great quote and the truth. He didn't stop because he didn't think he was going to get away or anything like that. He stopped because a piece of flying glass had hit him and he was bleeding. And um, yeah, that's why he ended up pulling over. But they were finally arrested, and Charles, he chose to be extradited from Wyoming to Nebraska. He thought that either state was going to end up giving him the death penalty, but he didn't realize, because this guy's a freaking idiot, he, 
he didn't realize that the governor of Wyoming was against the death penalty. So when he, if he would have ended up staying in Wyoming, he wouldn't have gotten the death penalty. And he went back and forth saying that he had kidnapped Fugate and that she had nothing to do with the murders. And then he would end up saying that she helped with them. So I don't know if they ever found out the real truth about these two. She continued to say that she was kidnapped and only went along because he said he would end up killing her family. But like I said, she didn't know they were already dead. They were in the house for six days and she didn't see them at all. Did he tell her he had them tied up as hostages in the back room or something and she couldn't go back there? But, and the other thing too is over those six days, I think she, it was she had plenty of chances to escape, but she never actually tried. She just hung out there. But I think she knew the gig was up though when the sheriff showed up. Um, so she was going to try to make herself look like the victim, you know, when she hopped out of the car and ran to him and saying that Charles was going to end up killing her. But Charles... In all this, he was only tried for the murder of Robert Jensen, and he was found guilty and sentenced to the death penalty, and this was in Nebraska. I don't know why they didn't charge him with all the other crime or all the other murders. I don't know if it was because, you know, sometimes they like to keep something in their back pocket in case the first one doesn't stick, then they got other stuff that they can come back to you on. But he was sentenced to the death penalty, and he was ended up sending, sent to the electric chair on June 25th of 1959. Which, back in those days, that's pretty swift justice. Nowadays, it'd probably take years for this thing to go to trial because they'd want to file continuances and try to find more ways to get this guy off. But anyhow, yeah, he uh, ended up getting uh, the electric chair. And it was said that he was pretty much resigned to his fate. He didn't try to really fight it that much, which is also why it may have uh, gone off or taken place so quickly. And he's buried in the Wyuka Cemetery in Lincoln, Nebraska. And Fugate, for her part in this, she ended up receiving a life sentence in 1958, but she was paroled in 1976. And she was actually considered for the death penalty, but they didn't give it to her. And I think at the time she was one of the youngest uh, females to ever be considered for the death penalty. And like I say, she was paroled in 1976, and I think she may still be alive. I'm not 100% sure, but I don't know how you could uh, be involved in all this, get uh, sentenced to a life sentence, and still get paroled less than 20 years later. But I don't know. That's the justice system for you. Anyhow, that was all I had on these guys as well. Um hope you guys like this one. The Charles Fugate, it's kind of an interesting story. Or, I mean, if you like true crime and that type of thing, it's kind of an interesting story to uh, read and research. But go ahead out, or go ahead and follow us on the podcast from P-Town Facebook page. Or you can follow me on P-Town Podcast on Instagram. Or you can send me an email at ptownpodcast74 at gmail.com. And we're coming up, getting pretty close to a year of having this thing going on. So hopefully be able to keep it going on uh, even after I get finished with this uh, with this song. Try to think of some other stuff to uh, come on here and uh, talk to you guys about. So that's it for this one. We will see you guys on the next one. Thanks a lot.